1: Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We have a great show for you today. Julie and I have been knee-deep in preparing for the event that we're doing here in Austin in two weeks. It's so hilarious. It happens every time we do an event. It's almost like last minute. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know about it. How did you not know about it? We've been telling you about it for six months. <laughs> but sure enough, people come out of the right. woodwork, waiting to attend. We have sponsors waiting to sponsor. All this stuff always happens at the last minute. But the fact is, is that the event is full. The event is full. We're not taking any more sponsors. We're not taking any more attendees. That's it. You waited too long. We will be doing more events in the future. Um, and we'll announce those as the when the time uh, when the time comes. I know we're doing one in Hawaii in December. That one's already booked. Um, and uh, there'll be more information on that one soon. So listen guys, the bottom line is, is that 2018 is halfway over, but 2018 you still have halfway to go. So there's the half cup, a uh, cup half full, cup half half empty look at your future. Julie put together an interesting topic today. We've not presented this before. I thought it was kind of snarky. Her title was Lose the Loser Words, which I've kind of liked. She usually doesn't come up with very good sales copy when it comes to the podcast, but this one in particular I kind of liked. So listen, guys, lose the loser words. We're going to share with you the phrases and uh, the the, the exact words that people use that have sort of predetermined themselves to make the rest of this year terrible. And it's fascinating, when you're a coach, um, when you're uh, aware of these words, you become really tuned in to the fact that people that use these words have certain sets of beliefs about themselves and their potentiality. So we're going to take you through Julie's list. And uh, these are phrases that, by the way, if you were being coached by us and we heard you say, we would not let you get away with saying twice. You would have to go back and and be introspective about what you just said but our words, our actions, how what we say is, an, is a direct window into our soul and our beliefs about ourselves. This time of year, you've got to really be careful, really be mindful of what you're saying and what you're doing, because you could very well have already given up on the subconscious level for the rest of this year, and you just aren't even admitting it yet to the world. And that's what happens, guys, because I promise you, if you're new to this business, if you've been in this business for a long time, you know the new ones learned, the ones that have been in the business for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. You are not – just a little quick mindset check for you. Are you waiting for excuses not to work? Are you waiting for, you know, the kids going back to school, slow down? Are you waiting for the summer break slowdown that usually happens in August? Are you waiting and anticipating other excuses not to work? Like, for example, October, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Are you looking forward to a sort of a – socially sanctioned reason to be lazy, if that is your mindset, I promise you, you're going to set yourself up to have the rest of this year be an abysmal failure. You can't think like that. Thinking like that, what's going to happen is that, like, for example, let's say you have a two-week vacation coming up in, I don't know, pick the month, and that's just you're living for that. That's, That's okay to be anticipatory of that, but what happens is that two weeks at the end of August that you're going to take your family to the Grand Canyon, let's be honest, it becomes an entire month. You stop working for that entire month. So if you see, if you think about there's six months left this year, how many actual days are you going to be working? How many days of those days you're going to be working are you really truly going to be productive? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself as you're going through and listening to Julie's list of phrases and words that you should absolutely positively check yourself from never saying. And then if you are saying these words and you are saying these phrases, I want you to accept the responsibility of changing and never using those th- never using those words again because those words invite complacency. Those words and phrases invite in failure. Have an open mind, Julie. Before you get to your first point, do you have anybody you'd like to acknowledge from our private <laughs> Facebook group and from all of our great book reviews? Anybody like that?
2: Yeah, this is a kind of a a cute but also I think very timely little post by Coach Rochelle, and it's just a little cartoon. There's an agent taking notes and there's a couple of buyers in the front yard in front of a sale sign, and it says, uh, quote, if the seller's willing to replace the roof, add a deck, put a fireplace in an indoor pool, extend the living room 15 feet, and move the whole place to the other side of town, yep, we're interested. And I just wanted to acknowledge that, we understand your deals are getting more complicated, that there is a secondary negotiation during the home inspections. We're hearing, you know, it's, it's like uh, who's got the best story about that this week, and I always think you can't top that one, but then somebody comes up with something even crazier. We feel for you guys because we've been there and done that. We live through thousands of transactions. We know it's tough. That's why we always remind you, yes, been there, done that. We're not just, you know, giving you advice. We understand because we walked in your shoes. So I just wanted to say I appreciate her posting that because I know a lot of you guys are going through some of your most challenging transactions ever and probably the the highest volume of transactions ever. And I know that there's this sense of enough is enough this time of year, but you cannot fall victim to that. You cannot fall into words of uh, victimhood, loser words, loser phrases, this stuff sneaks into your subconscious and you don't even know it sometimes. Usually when you're busy, you're stressed, you're negotiating a lot of stuff and you're a little bit exhausted, but it's only halfway through the year. We got halfway to get to the finish line. If you need some time off, schedule it, assuming that it's in the budget to do so. Get it done, refill the cup and get back in the saddle. So that's why I brought up this Lose the Loser Words topic, Tim, because I, I hear it sneak into their vernacular sometimes. They don't even see it sometimes, so or their posts or emails. So the second half of 2018 requires the elimination of Loser Words. And Tim, as you said, if you were a private coaching client of ours, we would have the list of things you're not allowed to say, just not acceptable, remove it from your language they're non-productive words, they're wussy words, you might say woo-woo words sometimes, and anything else holding you back. So this is my list, and Tim, you probably have some to add to this, but I'll get started and you can certainly interrupt me or we can hover someplace. So words to eliminate. One of the things you guys might do is write some of these down, ask yourself if you're guilty as charged or not, and after you write them down, cross them out, rip it up, give yourself a visual of no longer being able to use this stuff. So number one, I'm too busy. What is the message that you send when you're telling yourself this all the time? Too busy. Too, are you busy or are you productive? What's the difference? There's a lot of stuff that makes you look busy in real estate. But if you're not doing something to do with lead generation, lead follow-up, pre-qualifying, presenting, negotiating, or closing, no, well, you're not productive. You might feel like it, but you're just busy. So this is not something to – you know, make your theme song when you tell yourself that and I correct coaching clients on this all the time. I'm too busy, busy, busy. Replace that with I am so blessed with so much opportunity, I can't wait to help the next person. When you feel that, it's because point number 2, it's kind of in the same vein. I'm overwhelmed. Overwhelmed means you're surrounded by opportunity. What's the alternative? Being bored out of your mind because you have nobody to talk to? That's not very productive. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? I am being a little bit snarky because I, I just think this is unacceptable stuff this time of year.
1: Well, but I mean, when I hear those phrases from people, when I hear those phrases from just friends and family, all I know, what go, my mind goes right to basically the fact that they're just trying to make an excuse to be lazy. You know, if there's been, if you add up all the seconds and the minutes and the hours that are available in the course of the day, and then if you were being really honest about how many of those seconds, minutes, and hours you used, Uh, wisely opposed to just screwing around you'd be shocked we've done this research before for our top producers for the agents that basically are you know the ones that all of you admire they don't really work at a very high level for much more than two or three hours a day well, you say two or three hours a day. Well, that's nothing. And I'm here to tell you, yeah, you're right. I mean, most people don't have it in themselves to work with a high level of intensity for more than two or three hours a day. Now, that's not to say that they can't get high-level results the rest of the day, but really where they're drilled down the most is, generally speaking, top producers drill down in the morning. They're focusing on the proactive lead generation. They're focused on the dollar productive, productive activities, but because they are operating at the level of uh, conscious competence, they don't really have to think too much about what it is specifically that they have to do throughout the rest of the day. So they can go in a listing presentation and just absolutely own it, or they can pick up a phone and you know generate a listing appointment, and they don't have to put a lot of conscious effort into it. It just becomes passive for them. So that's the reason that top producers are so consistent at producing at a high level. So... Let's look at the flip side. When we, when we examine a typical agent's business who's not a top producer, they don't really drill down for any amount of time in the day. I mean literally zero amount of time in the day are they actually focused on dollar-productive product, dollar activities. Most of their day is spent doing non-dollar-productive activities or looking for things that will distract them from the things that they don't want to do. Whereas a top producer, they know, even if they haven't really learned this phrase yet from us, but they know that it's all about doing what they don't want to do and they don't want to do it at the highest level. Somebody who's not a top producer says the exact opposite. I won't do what I don't want to do ever, ever. <laughs> you know, something like that, right? I can't even <laughs> think level. in terms of the opposite of that. At any level, exactly. Because then, then there's those are the people that are saying I'm too busy, I'm too overwhelmed. They're saying it's not my style. They're saying I don't, you know just all the excuses that people have. I don't want to be seen as a salesperson. I don't want to be seen as too pushy. I want people to call me. I want I don't want to have to actually have to pick up the phone. I don't want to have to fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Okay? So what they do is they spend their day combing through Facebook groups, coming through different ways to buy leads, worrying about their brand, their logo, doing nonsensical stuff. In their defense, and I do mean this sincerely most of them are surrounded by people that are doing the same thing, surrounded by brokers and office managers that are reinforcing that same time wasting you know life energy wasting the way of doing business which isn't really doing any business unless their phone rings or they get an email unless they happen to walk into a deal from an open house they're not going to make any money and that's how most agents that's the reason most agents sell ten or fewer homes per year that 's the bottom line because they don't do what they don't want to do and they don't want to do it at the highest level. When you see somebody who's selling twenty thirty forty fifty hundred. 200, 300 houses per year, what they're doing differently is they're just working intensely for maybe two or three hours a day. Really, honestly, it probably has to be three hours a day. And in that three hours, they are absolutely positively holding themselves accountable to accomplishing, usually it's no more than three to five minimum standards. They're going to have rules that they set their lives and their businesses up by. You can copy them. Why would you try to recreate the wheel? And that's the other thing that we see non-productive agents doing. They look at real estate as some sort of creative endeavor where they're supposed to basically you know, worry about things that don't have anything to do with making money. I need to you know, somehow make this the thing where I'm finally acknowledged as being a business genius that I always told myself I was. All these ego things start to creep in, and that really does ruin your potentiality again. But more than that, it will actually cause you to go out of business because you're not in the position and you're not in the place to you know, be of service to other people, helping them accomplish their goals and making money. The top producer, even though they don't necessarily put all these thoughts together, like what I am trying to do for you guys right now, they do know, because they live it, that it's all about doing what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level. And they also know that the more people they help accomplish their goals at a high level, the more of their goals, the top producer's goals, they'll be able to experience. They'll be able to, you know, essentially accomplish. That's the correlation. Those are the two, in essence, those are the two rules that you guys need to wrap your heads around if you really want to learn how to drill down and stay focused for an extended period of time. And you need to learn to say hell no to all these – I was about to use a bad word – but all these people calling you, trying to sell you leads, trying to sell you anything – that is going to somehow make it so you don't have to do what you don't want to do, and you don't want to do it at the highest level. Have you noticed that everybody who calls you—that's in essence their pitch. That's what they're trying to sell you. They're trying to sell you into laziness and complacency. Be mindful of that, listeners. There's a hunt between 100 and 200,000 of you that listen to our show on a regular basis. Be mindful of what I'm telling you because it's the truth. It is the truth. And you, and you know, here's—if we are in front of you right now, there are 100,000 of you. In, Every single one of you would be agreeing, because you know intuitively what I'm saying is the truth, and yet how many of you are going to basically take some call from some salesman trying to sell you leads from one of the portals today? How many of you guys are going to spend time right after this call worrying about your logo? It's interesting, isn't it? Julie, next point.
2: Yes, related to all of this, I don't have time. You guys use that a lot. Well, you know, you can't actually make time. Time is a made-up thing to begin with, and that's a whole other conversation. But really what you're saying is you're not making time. You're not prioritizing. You're not using the time you have in a productive way. And that is something that you can control. You know, people have studied the top salespeople in, you know, various different industries spend 30 to 40 hours on the phone, following up on their leads, nurturing their leads, talking to their people, closing on sales. The lowest producers spend four or less hours on the phone. So it's not that you don't have time. We all have the same amount of time. It's that you're not making time for the most important things, which are those things that make you money in real estate, leading with profit. So you're not allowed to use that one anymore. Number four, when you are calling, this is what it it becomes, no one answered. Well, okay, no one answered on, what, two or three calls, so you decided to just stop calling completely? That is a universal judgment you're using based on a tiny sampling and this too has been studied that even during the middle of the day where you sometimes you'll think well people are at lunch they're not going to answer or they're doing their own business they're not going to answer even during the hours of one and three in the afternoon it has been studied that there's a 54% pickup rate with outbound calls so you can't use that one anymore then that becomes everyone's calling you guys use this on for sale by owners expireds and probate all the time everybody's calling Really? What proof do you have of that? <laughs> okay, uh, It's always interesting when an agent decides to sell their own home as a for-sale-by-owner, Tim. They're always amazed that they get like three or four calls the first day, and that's it. And that tells them who the for-sale-by-owner hunter agents are, and well, maybe well, some on, Julie, wayward Julie, buyer's agents. Go ahead.
1: Jules, you're you're making some leaps here. Okay, so first of all, when a seller says, uh, I'm getting a, a calls from everybody, it doesn't matter who the seller is, if his bill are expired, they're lying, Okay. They're not yes. They're not getting it's hardly not any calls. Then, Julie, then, Julie's second point that hopefully you guys are paying attention to, in case you missed it, was that some agents occasionally will have their own personal listings expire or their own personal listings that maybe, for some reason, agents do this. They'll put as a for sale by owner. I know of agents who have actually put properties that they own in Craigslist and other places to try to get buyer leads. So that's done. Not saying it's right or wrong, but there you go. If the agent wants to... Operate like that, that it's fine. But the epiphany that they always have is how stunned they are that so few people call. A crap ton of agents mail shit, and that's the reason we tell you not to do it, because it's a waste of time. Mailing stuff, the same stuff, by the way, that everybody else is mailing, just literally makes you look like a fool. Pick up the phone and call the seller. If for if some reason you can't get the phone number, go to their door. What's wrong with that, guys? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? I know why you're not doing it, and you know why you're not doing it, because you don't know how to do it. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to overcome objections. You don't know how to work out in your mind why that's what you're supposed to be doing. I understand all that. What I'm challenging all of you to do is move past the uncertainty, be okay with the uncertainty, be okay with the fear, and move forward and learn how to do it anyway. Because what's going to happen is that it happens I mean, Julie, how many times do we get emails and chats and people on our private Facebook page saying, "For the first time ever, they went and did this one thing." Doesn't matter what it was, right. that they had been spending years and decades trying to, you know, rationalize not doing it. You, let's just stick with your mm-hmm. Fisbo example. You're unrepresented. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people have got this mountain of misinformation about for sale by owners that is just ridiculous, guys. It's sometimes in many markets they are the easiest business that you ever get in your life, and many of them are also going to want to buy. So there are two transactions. How simple is that for you to go after? And yet you don't do it. Why? Because you think you can buy your business. You can't. You think you can somehow Facebook like your way to business. You can't. You think your centers of influence and past clients is going to be a consistent source of business. It won't be. It'll be a source of business. It'll be a spoke. But if you want to do more than a handful of transactions per year, and I know some, not all of you do. You know if a handful of transactions and each commission's worth thirty grand, well, and that you know checks the boxes for you financially, then you're set. But for the rest of us, you're going to have to learn to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. Guys, let us help you at least put your toes in the water. There's no sharks in the – well, there are sharks in the water. I'm not going to lie to you. But at least you can learn how to battle off the sharks. Go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And when you do, we're going to give you six free books. The two books that pretty much everyone rants and raves about is Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate and uh, the Real Estate Treasure Map. So grab those books, and there's four others as well. And then you'll also be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. On that coaching call, they're going to help you create your lead generation wheel, which will give you some direction where you should be focusing all of your best energies. I am worried about those of you who are listening right now who have only been in the business for 10 years or less, who don't know what it's like to sell real estate in a transitioning market, let alone a buyer's market. I'm worried that you're going to wait too long, and that's going to cause unbelievable amounts of pain and frustration, not just for you, but for your family, right? That's what's going to happen. How do I know that with 1,000% clarity? Because we saw it happen before. We saw, we saw the exact same thing happen. People in, the, in our industry, especially, they wait too long to take action. Don't be like that. Please be proactive. Please get ahead of whatever the changing market is. Julie? Yes,
2: yeah, so... Those of you who do take that leap, because I'm putting the end cap on the beginning of your story, and you actually go do that thing that you've been avoiding for years, like a simple door knock to an expired or for sale by owner, etc., the reaction is always the same. It's comical from a coaching perspective, and you guys have lots of examples on the private Facebook page of this. I can't believe how nice they were. They let me in the door. They said when they put the sign out that three agents stopped by, but I'm the only one that followed up. I'm the only one that you know is giving them the time of day, the second weekend. It's like you guys are shocked and amazed that it wasn't forty people standing in line to get in, and furthermore that you got the appointment took the listing, and it's sold already by Monday for some of you. I can't even count how many stories like that are on our private Facebook page, but it's always the same. And you know, even talking to your past clients, I can't believe how nice they were. They were actually glad that I called. Well, you would have known that years earlier if you had put your toe in the pool earlier. So enough about that. Uh, another loser word or phrase is simply, and we do hear this more from, I think, the grizzled veterans than anybody, that won't work for me or that won't work for my market. Another iteration of that might be, oh, I've heard that for years. That, that doesn't work anymore or that used to work. Well, again, I say, how would you know if you're not doing it? You're not authorized to make that judgment call if you're not actually working it. And by working it, I don't mean dabbling in a lead generation spoke and like trying out, you know, I'm going to send a a postcard campaign and see how it goes. Or I'm going to call the first three expireds I see, and then I'll decide whether it works or not. That's dabbling. That is doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, but it's not doing it at a high level, and it's not doing it consistently. So you're not authorized to make that judgment call. Okay, so excuse number seven, I can't do it because no phone numbers, or I don't have a script, or I haven't memorized the script. All of that is curable, and remember, even if you don't have phone numbers, you do have shoes to put on and a car to drive over to door knock. So can't have that one. Sometimes people will just say it's impossible. Well they haven't even considered it. I don't even give that too much credit. Uh number nine is that's not fair. Okay. We used to hear that when the eight hundred number was new. Remember when people thought that was illegal? <laughs> Actually what uh, I, I, that's I was not thinking fair. Of, what, yeah. Go ahead, what yeah. I was thinking of
1: is we used to hear that's not fair back in 2007 2000, uh, and 2008, when the agents who we had been coaching had to t- do short sales and REOs were taking short sales and REOs. And all the other other, other agents were like pissed off because they weren't getting the REO listings. And they literally <laughs> thought that somehow the government should be part, the Obama administration oh, I remember should somehow that. be parsing yep. out. the. I know, it was unbelievable. You guys thought you were entitled to REO listings from the FDIC and from the, other- from the big banks. No, if you're not an early mover, like, you know, right now would be a great time to get on this and learn how to go after REO business. If you're not doing that now, you are going to miss the train leaving the station. The train leaves, they have those relationships locked in pretty much a year before the market actually noticeably changes. Remember I told you that, guys. Please. And by the way, of course, REO and and short sale training is part of our premier coaching program. They're modules. They're free. They cost you nothing in addition to the premier coaching. Julie?
2: Yeah, and you know, it's amazing. Over the past, I don't know, probably two weeks in our daily premier coaching calls, I would say we're averaging two or three short sale, specifically short sale questions on every call. And they range from... help me understand what a short sale is, because remember we have a generation of agents that didn't live through that, to, Mm -hmm. you know, should I go ahead and take it? I mean, how can there even be a short sale in my market? And then a lot of our discussion is the fact that sometimes it looks like it would be a short sale, but because the market has been appreciating and escalating for so long, just because somebody's behind in payments, that alone does not make them a short sale. A lot of these cases right now are breaking even or not ending up being a short sale, yeah, they're behind in payments, but the equity is saving their butt right now. That probably won't go on forever, but it's interesting to see the flavor of short sale questions that have popped up. They're very different than even 90 days ago. So I think you're right, and that's why we always have short sale, REO, and BPO stuff ready to rumble for you guys. So you can say yes, and this is the coaching that happens on that call. I always give lots of kudos to the agents that ask those questions because they've said, yes, it would be my pleasure to help you with that, Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller. And then they come to the call and say, okay, now what do I do? (laughs) Instead of saying, oh, no, I don't do short sales, or what's a short sale, or my broker told me I can't do this or that. Just say, yes, it's my pleasure to help you. And then you come to us, and we'll help you get the deal done. So I always have a lot of respect for those agents that jump into something that maybe they are not 100% on, but they're still saying, yes, I'm here to help you. So that's my stance on that. All right. Point number 10, loser phrases. I'm not a salesperson or I'm not a born salesperson. I'm not a natural salesperson. Well, guess what? Most people are not. That's not an excuse that you can hold on to given the situation where you can learn to be a great salesperson. Why do you think scripts exist at all? To teach you how to be a great salesperson. And the greatest salespeople in the world did spend time and experience learning to be so. They didn't just roll out of bed and be the best salesperson at what they're selling. Related to that is point number eleven, and this I just think is one of the woo-woo things. My personality style is wrong. I'm a driver. I'm an expressive. I'm a amiable, or I'm an analytical, or any of the DISC personalities. It doesn't matter which you are. Some of you guys hang on to that. Well, I, I can't. I can't do that because. I'm too analytical. Well, I'm not going to do that because I'm a driver and I shouldn't have to. Okay? It doesn't matter what your personality style is. All of our past presidents have been a variety of all four personality styles. And that's probably still giving it too much credit. It's a profile, guys, not a diagnosis. So let it it, go. It's not
1: real science. (laughs) The whole DISC and the personality profiling stuff, guys, it's not real science. But I have to give the industry credit. That was real, the whole personality. And look, guys, if you want to take a DISC test, we've set – we created a free one for you to take. No obligation. Just go to agent, uh, disc, agentdisc.com, and it will give you the makings of a personality profile. But the way it was abused in real estate was obscene because so many people started telling agents that they – literally, they were educating agents that unless you're one of the two pers- – you know, driver or expressive, that the probability of you you know, – they're basically dooming a lot of uh, – agents that were already successful or could have been fantastically successful into self-doubt. Uh, and we saw that happening. And because the people teaching were idiots, they didn't know what they were talking about. They thought it was real science. They didn't realize it was pseudoscience. They you know, they, it, was, it was obscene and it still goes on a little bit. But for the most part, I think the industry sorted it out. We rallied, have rallied against the use of misinformation and pseudoscience. This all falls into the realm of um, – The mindset stuff, guys. The whole mindset stuff that you believe is real—it's not. It's all made-up stuff. We've talked about it on the podcast before. We talked about the stuff, you know, the the fact that this whole mindset movement stuff that, you know, most of us have grown up with. By the way, the idea that somehow affirmations are some sort of way of tricking the brain—all these sort of traditional woo 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 things they have no validity to them it's okay if you believe in them and maybe they help you personally and i'm not going to take that away from you i'm not even going to suggest that i'm you know if you if you found that something works to help you mindset wise but ultimately there is no trick because what's gone what's happened is there's been a whole industry that's formed around convincing people that their problem is their mindset and you hear coaches are some of our competitors Well, tell people the reason that you're not more successful is because you need to work on your mindset first. That's just a total freaking lie. The reason you're not more successful is because you're just not making the right, you're just m- not moving forward. You're not helping enough people. You're not doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. But look, I get it. If, someone, if I'm not successful and someone says, you're not successful because you need to work on your beliefs and your mindsets and you need to do all these other things, I'm going to be, all right, cool. I can focus on that and I can avoid doing what I don't want to do, what I don't want to do at the highest level. If I had to lose 30 pounds and I know I'm supposed to eat less and go to the gym more, right? that's how you do it. But I know that if I, if I came across a bunch of books and mentors and coaches and gurus that said, first of all, you need to work on your mindset. Let's talk about your thinking and their woo-woo voice. You ever notice it's always the same? Let it this sort of calm and, you know, they're, it's by design supposed to hypnotize you, by the way. Some of you know what I'm tally, uh, telling you is true. And so they'll tell you this stuff, and you're then starting to, okay, now you go to, need to go to a seminar. You need to buy, a, you know, this book, and you need to do the other thing. Work on your mindset. They're not telling you to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. They're not saying, hey, stop eating the crap and go to the gym and do what you don't want to do. That's the same exact thing that's happening with business. They're not the 99% of the people out there, they're going to tell you to what? Focus on your centers of influence and past clients. Why are they telling you to do that? Because it's easy, and it's, they're not telling you something that you don't want to hear. Every single one of you, most of you, are going to say, yeah, I can do that, no problem. Perfect. You see, even though centers of influence and past clients, though important – though a critical part of your business, cannot be your only spoke. That's just a example of how sometimes we all fall prey to gravitating towards the things, the people, the ideas that require us to make ourselves uncomfortable for the least amount of time, if ever. Again, that is the reason that so many people struggle with being successful, because no one's ever told them that, you have to learn to do, here it is, fourth time today on today's show. Are you guys getting sick of this? Are you remembering it at least? I say it all the time because it's about the biggest truth that we ever came up with, and I hope you guys never forget it. If you want to experience ever long-term, long-term levels of success in your business and personal life, by the way, it follows on the, on the footsteps of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. In real estate, the list of things that you don't want to do in sales in general is long, right? It is. It's long. Prospecting sucks, but you have to do it and you have to learn to be good at it. Lead follow-up usually sucks, but you have to learn how to be good at it. You can keep on going down the list of things. And isn't it interesting, when you do make this mental list, all the things that you don't want to do or you haven't learned how to do at the highest level are the very things that pay you the most amount of money. Get it? seeing the dire- the, where we're going here, <laughs> see how this works, what you're not doing, what you've never mastered, what you've never even started, many of you, to try to learn, or maybe you started but decided for some reason it wasn't for you, those are the things that you must master because that is what you're doing. Because then when you do those things, you are doing what you didn't want to do, prospecting, let's use that as an example because nobody likes to prospect. I totally understand I didn't like to prospect. Julie didn't like to prospect. We hated doing it, but we did it every day anyway. This is you know, when we sold real estate, and we still do a lot of things every single day that we don't want to do, and we do them at the highest level. That's the essence of life. Do you think a doctor or a surgeon, do you think a pilot, do you think they want to do their jobs every day? Hell no. My neighbor's a surgeon. I promise you. Most days he would rather not go and have to perform surgeries. He's got other things he'd like to do, but he does. He puts on his white coat, he hops in his truck, he drives to the hospital, and he does his surgeries. That's his job. He's doing what he doesn't want to do when he doesn't want to do it at the highest level. But somehow, in real estate, it's full of people that believe that we never have to drill down like everybody else does, and then somehow we're still entitled to the success. You guys understanding what I'm saying here? So here's a challenge to the industry. Why aren't the rest of the industry, why aren't you saying what we just said? Why aren't you telling agents the truth? Why aren't industry brokers, office managers? It's, it's way past time for you to tell agents the truth because you know what I'm saying is true. And here's what's going to happen if you don't. Here's how you're going to suffer if you don't. When the market changes in a noticeable way and you have all of these agents who have only been in business for the last 10 years and they don't know how to compete in this new market, they don't know how to deal with The anxieties, which are everywhere from buyers and sellers in a changing market, let alone a buyer's market. By the way, it's definitely going to overcorrect and become a buyer's market probably the next two or three years. So get your uh, stuff, your purses, and get ready to buy because it's coming your way again. Brokers' office managers, if you're conditioning your agents to build teams and build expansion teams and work on the branding and their logo and their websites and all these other things, and you're not focusing them on mastering sales skills that are revolving around helping sellers sell their houses – not actually having conversations with them. I had to make it so they run businesses that have at least 50% profit margins, at least 50% profit margins. If you're not doing those things, it's not going to take a year for those agents to go out of business and suffer. It's going to take a month, maybe two months. Again, I know many of you haven't been in the industry this long, so you, you haven't experienced it, but that's what happens. There's going to be a slowdown. Listings are going to stop selling in your market. You're going to tell yourself, hope and pray, that the market's going to pick back up again. But it doesn't. In the intervening months of you hoping and praying, one, two, three months, then what happens is people really go, they burn through their savings. They don't notify our people. They still keep buying buyer leads. They keep doing what they're doing, hoping that things are going to bounce back. They don't bounce back. Six months passes, and now these people can't make their house payments. By these people, I mean your agents. You are responsible for those agents. That is your job. You're in the real estate agent business, not in the real estate business, brokers. You're in the agent business. The best brokerages in the country know that. They live that. The agents are in the housing business. So if you're not telling them the truth and helping them be prepared for the changing market, and it is coming, if not already at your doorstep, you should stop being a broker because you're not very good at it. You're not, you're not helping anybody. You're just keeping your head in the sand. And by the way... You need to be also considering reducing your expenses, streamlining what you're doing, questioning every single thing that you've ex- – two, three years ago, guys, what you were doing probably worked great, but it changed. didn't work so good anymore, so stop doing it, and don't wait, because I'm telling you guys, that's what's going to happen. That's what is happening. It happens just like – it's the same cycle every time. The market fills with inventory. Everybody basically sits around saying the market's going to sell off, it's, then what happens is it sells off, and then you're saying, oh, thank God I was right. And then it fills up with inventory again, and that time it doesn't sell off. Sometimes that cycle goes three times, and you'll see it happen within usually six months. Inventory increases, inventory sells off. Everyone takes a big breath. Inventory increases again, might sell off again, just not to the same extent. Days in the market is extending. List-to-sell price ratio is reducing you're starting to really see a serious change. And then what happens is the buyers who are on the fence, or the buyers who are, or I'm sorry, the sellers who are on the fence of selling, and the sellers who are on the market but didn't sell because their price was too high, everybody comes to market. Then the inventory shoots up, and then the inventory does not come back down. Then buyers start saying to themselves, what the hell is going on? I don't want to buy too soon. I don't want to overpay. I'm going to wait it out. I'm going and then the whole cycle protracts. And then you're looking at six or seven months or a year for homes to be on the market. Uh, this is what happens. And your buyers stop buying. In the, in, in the, we've been warning you guys about this, and it's happening. So in the transitioning phase, that's the scary part. Because what's going to happen is as sellers are coming to realize that we're in a new market, as buyers are coming to realize we're in a new market, that year to year and a half is going to kill most of the independents. It's going to kill most of the teams. Because they don't have the, the financial wherefor all to literally cash flow their business when the revenues fall. And they won't reduce their overhead fast enough. If they're built on buyers, which most of them are, that's gonna, those are going to be the first ones to go. Guys, it happened before. It's going to happen again. It's happening now. Please, don't cause yourself needless suffering. Be courageous. Be brave. Make decisions that maybe are a little uncomfortable. Quit holding on to the past, believing that somehow everything that worked in the past is going to work in the future. Virtually nothing that worked in the past is going to work in the future. Everything needs to evolve and change. If you guys want to talk one-on-one with me about this, especially brokers and office managers, you can email me directly. You might have to wait a week, maybe two, to talk with me because I'm really busy, but you can email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com, and I'll help you at the highest level that I can. But when you do, if you do, understand – I'm going to have your agents. Those are going to be the people I'm thinking about. The agents are going to be the people I'm thinking about. Those are our people, right? So I'm going to tell you things that are agent-centric because that's what our coaching organization is. The only one in the industry like that. If there's anything we can do for you, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.